Here we go. Welcome to Guardians and Gladiators. My name is Lozy, and I have my co-host, D. Lozy, how are you today? I'm doing great, D. I have a question for you today. How did we get to become Guardians and Gladiators? Ah, uh, you know what? There's probably all kinds of listeners out there asking the same thing right now. Where did this weird crazy name that i have trouble saying come from right yeah <laughs> well, i'll tell you the gladiator part's easy because the gladiators are our special olympic athletes you think of you've got you and i co-hosting this the gladiator part that's you that's you it's all of your fellow athletes um the volunteers everything so you think back to the old Roman gladiators. I mean, these guys, these special Olympic athletes, guys, girls, they have fought through so much in their lives, so much adversity to get to where they are now. And they're so inspiring to all of us that gladiators just seem like the perfect name. Now, guardians, people might think, what is going on here? Well, I'll tell you, there's a phrase, it's guardians of the flame, not guardians of the galaxy. We're not going to copyright infringe on somebody here uh, we're nothing to do with marvel or animated shows or anything guardians of the flame are what the torch runners are called from the law enforcement torch run for special olympics and if you've never heard of the law enforcement torch run for special olympics before you're going to find out some stuff about it today because we have a really special guest um, to represent the torch run today and we're going to find out everything you need to know about the torch run and its relationship with special olympics so right there guardians and gladiators just seem to bring the two together and pretty exciting uh to you know we're going to speak with mark mcgugan today and he will answer all our questions oh it's going to be great to have him on our show this week can't wait to talk to him we also have two two other special guests joining us this week is a husband and wife team up for, with a special olympic athletes of richard and terry horner nice. and they they've been They've been in different provincial games together, and they also won a big event one after the other to become the first husband and wife to do it. Wow. I can't wait to can't hear about that story. Hey? Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. It's going to be good to hear them. Nice. Well, sounds like our, our episode is going to be exciting, and we're going to get right to it after this with our first guests. And welcome back to Guardians and Gladiators. And we're coming back with our first guests of the of the show today. And it's a husband and wife team of Special Olympics athletes, Richard and Terry Horner. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Chris. Thank and you. we're happy to be here. Welcome, guys. It's nice to have you on our show. This is great. It's a great treat for us. Yeah. Thank you, Derek. No problem. No problem. So listen, we uh, always talk about Lozy and D and different nicknames. Do you guys have any nicknames we can use on here? Uh, Ter you can use Tear Bear. Tear Bear. Ter there's a good one. Richard, you uh, got one? I haven't heard anybody really do any nicknames for me in uh, Special Olympics, so I can't really think of one except uh, actually when I was doing powerlifting, um, the coach, uh, the original coach, I... Uh, what was his name, Terry? Do you remember? Um, the original uh, coach of that had uh, the nickname for me, the Lion. The Lion. Oh, yeah. Nice. I like that one. So, you can use that if you'd like. 
Nice. That's a powerful nickname, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when, when did you guys get into Special Olympics and, and how, how did it change your lives? Um, we got into Special Olympics when, uh, in 2021. Um, how I got in is um, I heard about it through a uh, family of mine and that. And uh, I just started off with baseball first. And, that, and that's how, of course, Terry and I met. Um, I can honestly say how Special Olympics has changed my life as I've made a lot of new friends. And um, it helps me learn how to, uh, when I get upset about something or uh, mad at someone, it learned me how to control my anger and my thoughts and all that and how to deal with myself and deal with that person if I'm upset with them and I say the wrong thing to them, how to go and apologize that to them and uh, how to make friends a lot easier in that with people that have an intellectual disability like myself. And uh, I can honestly say I've learned that it's a big family too. Like everybody in Special Olympics is one big family. If one person has a problem, everybody's there for everybody. And that's what I really like about it. Nice. Now, Richard, you said you started in 2021. I'm guessing that was just a mistake. 2001. 2001. No problem. Whoa. Terry, what about you? When did you get involved? I started in 2000. Whoa. So you're, you got a year on this guy. Eh? Oh, sorry. 1999. Two years Good. on him. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> And how my about you? My mom and dad were the coach of baseball. Ah, is that how you got involved in the beginning? Yeah. yeah. Very nice. Yeah. And and you two met playing baseball, is that right? Yeah. Yes, we did. Yeah. Wow. Somebody throw something at somebody they didn't like, a little <laughs> argument started. <laughs> uh, uh, how it was is uh, like Terry and I just uh, at first we just started out as friends, good friends, not I uh kept saying about like age doesn't really matter but at that time I was you know and I just met her so I kept throwing at her you're too young for me you're too young for me <laughs> for about I'd say what a year maybe six months and then we were at a baseball tournament and she was like she got rid of this other guy she was dating <laughs> and um we were at the ball tournament, and her dad she he knew he found out that she let and he's no way I ain't letting it and her mom stepped in and said, Hey, they're both growing adults. And let's, and at first Tom and I, yeah, of course age does matter to any father. I am a father myself. Um, but we got to know each other and, uh, we just went from there. We had our problems and, uh, special Olympics and, uh, friends and everybody kind of helped us out. And that's how we got together. And we're still together now, 15 years going strong, married. I love it. I love it. That's, That's great. So let's let's go back. What is 2006 and 2007 mean to you guys and what happened? Go ahead. You can answer yours first. Go ahead. In 2006, what did you do? Uh, the bowling masters. Very good. Yeah. It was really excited. What, what happened at the masters? I won... Ten thousand, no, no one thousand dollars. Wow. Yeah. 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 And in um the year after that, we went back again, and I had a gentleman that we all know. Um, he's a 
bowling coach, uh, five pin of uh, Cambridge. Mm-hmm. Um, he asked me how I thought I'd do. And being a smart aleck, I said, well, I think I'm going to go all the way. And sure enough, I did. Mm-hmm. And uh, I ended up winning the, in 2007, I ended up winning the big trophy and the money and that like Terry did. And uh, Terry and myself are, as far as we know, we're the first husband and wife to win the masters back to back like that. And we're known in Toronto for that. Um, for what, wow. from what we know, there has not been another husband and wife do it. So that's, we're the first husband and wife to do that. That is something else. Do you have your so trophies sitting side by good. side in the house? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I yeah. Can, <laughs> want me to get them and shoot you? That's okay. Have, that's okay. We would actually, be able to see it, but our class. listeners wouldn't be able to see it. So no problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a great story. I love that. Yeah. That's pretty good. I love that. So are you guys familiar? Do you know of any other married couples in special Olympics? Um, even just locally, if um, Chris and his wife, right? John and Joanne Barrett, John and Joanne Barrett, um, Brian Clooney and uh, Carrie, Carrie, right? Yep. Um, so Matt did you guys know, I'll bet you didn't even know this. Did you know that John Barrett is my cousin? Yeah, really? He is? See, you didn't even know that, did you? <laughs> Things you learn on Guardians and Gladiators, right? <laughs> Welcome to the show. Yes, yes, John and Joanne. Yes, that's great. So, it, so there are some other married couples then in Special Olympics. Eh? So, how, so, how is he your cousin? For who? Him and I were first cousins. We grew up together. Everything. Yep. Awesome. Mm-hmm. It's great, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. that's really great. I mean, I, I love hearing, you know, stories, of, especially with the the relationships that are formed. And we talk a lot. We've talked, Chris and I have talked before about the friendships and everything that people get. Oh. But this this goes above that, right? I mean, these are people yeah. that have actually met and gotten married, and you know, it, it's I I just love it. I love hearing stories like that. Mosey, yeah. you too. Yeah, that's it's it's good stories to hear coming yeah. from us. So. <laughs> So this is this is one's for Richard. Okay. A few years back now that that uh, an incident happened to you that you couldn't do your sports anymore for a while. And as you recovered from that, how did how did the Special Olympic community and and family came came around to help you recover and get you back into to sports um uh when i got up when i woke up of course terry and her family were there but um out of special olympians that i remember um about two days after i had the incident um a very good soccer coach of my dave stickle and i've gone quite far with him uh he came to the hospital two days after i woke up and that to um visit me and that of course yourself chris and your wife uh asked how I'm doing to Terry. Um, I had Rick Walker come up and see me at the hospital, um, family and that, um, special Olympics really, really from what I remember were really behind me and, uh, helped me out in the, like, um, to get back to my sports. Um, yeah, at first it was sketchy. Like, um, even to myself, I did not, know if i'd be able to do like um soccer or floor hockey again or baseball even 
I thought maybe it'd be just bowling or and golf. Um, yourself and friends of mine and coaches and all that being behind me and making me realize, hey, you know, you can come back and you know, I did, and the doctor's saying, Yes, yeah, so you could do your sports, but I have to wear a headgear to play soccer, of course, and I'm not to head the ball. Um, but it to me, it would it's a it was a great feeling having the Special Olympics behind me, the way they were, my family and family members. And it just made me feel um great and very excited that. I had people helping me out and pushing me to want me to come back and be able to do my sports that I can do that I did before. And um, for that, I'm very grateful for all of you. And um, I can honestly say without you guys, I don't know. I was scared. That's basically, I was really, really scared that, you know, some of my sports I did with like you, I do baseball, I do floor hockey, a golf, um, I was really nervous that I wouldn't be able to play baseball or floor hockey or whatever with any of you guys anymore, just maybe golf and baseball, uh, bowling, but, um, I got through it and, uh, with, uh, a lot of help from you guys and, uh, a lot of visits from, uh, coaches like, um, Rick Walker, Dave Stickland, um, once at the hospital, a couple times at, uh, Parkwood and uh, just hearing uh, positive things like cards I got from people and that saying, you know, we're behind you get well soon, you know, whatever sports you can do, we're behind you and we'll always be there for you no matter what. It really helped me out and made me feel really good. Richard, like thank you. Are you okay with us telling the people listening what it was that happened to you? Uh, no, I have no problem with that. Okay, so it was a stroke um, you suffered, is that right? It was, okay, um, the name of the stroke was, um, what I had was a right cerebella. Mm-hmm. And um, you've Chris has seen the scar when I shaved my head. You can see the scar in the back of my head. Um, what happened with me is um, I went in on the Monday. They kept an eye on me. Um, by the Wednesday, I crashed. And if they didn't do the surgery they had to do, I wouldn't have made it. Like I'm, I had 36 stitches in my head and I'm missing bone in the back of my head, uh, part of the back of my head mm-hmm. because my brain was swelling, mm-hmm. but it was a right cerebella, but they did have to remove some bone because my brain was swelling too. Right. So like I say, like um, it, once in a while, like now, it kind of chokes me up still talking about it, but um, I can honestly say, like, like I said, without having the Special Olympics family behind me and my wife and my family and push me the way you guys did and knowing I was strong myself and I could do it and come back, it just amazed me how I got to come back and I got to do the sports that I can do. So I'll like, tell you. I'll tell you what it reminds me of is, is I think back to, and I think you guys are familiar with Dr. Hayden, right? Dr. Frank Hayden. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So Dr. Hayden was uh, instrumental in special Olympics starting up. It was his research um, at actually at Western university here into the benefits of physical activity on people with intellectual disabilities and how it helps 
with their life and, and their health and everything, you know, and a yeah. lot of that research that he did was instrumental in the beginning of Special Olympics, even with Eunice Kennedy Shriver, Dr. Hayden actually went down there to the Kennedy estate and spent a long, long time working with Eunice Kennedy Shriver, who a lot of people consider as the founder of Special Olympics, but I don't think Dr. Hayden gets enough credit for his involvement in what no. what assisted in, in Special Olympics becoming what it is. So what it reminds me of just in, in that brief little history lesson there is his study, all of his work was on the benefits of physical activity. So I think about somebody like you, and I think about all of your years in Special Olympics before your stroke happened. And I think about the, the benefits that those years in Special Olympics had on your body, on making you stronger, um, you know, so that when something like this happened and you needed a lot of strength and everything to be able to come back from this and, and yeah. build your life back up again, that some people that maybe weren't as strong as you were might not have been able to come back the way you have. So I think, you know, in a way, Special Olympics not only helped you afterwards, but helped probably me. helped you before it. And it taught me like, um, like everybody knows, you know, Derek, Chris knows I smoked before that too. And I always like Terry got me to quit for a while. And then I went back now. She's always like, she always said to me and her parents, everybody, one of these times smoking is going to catch up to you. Mm -hmm. And I'm not blaming smoking on it, but um, like the doctors told me, they don't even know where the blood clots started and how it worked its way up to my race, Arabella. Right. Um, but having that, like um, I can honestly say I have, I have nothing against people that smoke. Um, I'm just like, I realize, hey, and I, I do feel better not smoking. Yeah. It doesn't bug me if someone someone can smoke beside me. Chris has it doesn't bug me. Yeah. But um, like it did a lot of people I think knew, like um Rick Walker could tell he came up and saw me and uh I got a big card from uh the whole LaSalle floor hockey team. Nice. And he brought that up to me and uh, I think our floor hockey team did a big thing and all the names were on it and that mm -hmm. C, B, and D. Um, it's just, like I said, it just seems like we're a big family. And if anything yeah. goes, if one person goes down, the whole family's there to build the person up. Mm -hmm. And I agree with you on this. The science part of it is me doing the Special Olympics all that years and all them train the training in that mm -hmm. helped me when I did when this did happen to me to say, Hey, you got the strength, you can build yourself back up. It's going to take a while, but you're going to come back. Yes, absolutely. And, and you did come back. And I remember it, at a certain uh, award ceremony, and I think Chris had reminded me earlier, I think it was 2018 uh, here in London and you received the badge of courage award. Is that correct? Yes, I did. It's on my wall. Yeah. Very nice. Look, very nice. I look at it, uh, Terry even catches me sometimes. I look at it just to uh, remind me, hey, <laughs> you did it. Yes, absolutely. And Derek and a lot of the family, like Chris and them, helped you. And I've had, like, over the years in Special Olympics with my friends, Chris and I, through the uh, floor hockey, we've been to uh, provincials four times. I've got one bronze. Three silver from there. I've got provincial medals from um, bowling. So does Terry. 
you know, it's just, I've got to travel. I've got to go to places that I probably never would have got to, like Sudbury and that, mm-hmm. you know, Kingston. Yeah. Some people would say maybe you'd be better off not going to Sudbury. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm just a little shot at our friends from the north up there. Actually, my daughter that's... Uh, my daughter that's uh, visiting me right now, she's yeah. actually, that's where she moved down from. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. In Sudbury and my son <laughs> moved down too. So I just watch what I say about Sudbury. <laughs> Good old <laughs> Sudbury. <laughs> I think it's she a, heard me. Yeah. yeah. There were some Sudbury Saturday nights, according to Stomp and Tom Connors, weren't there? (laughs) (laughs) Terry, listen, over the whole COVID-19 and our pandemic and everything, obviously everything's been shut down as far as sports go. What sports have you missed the most? What have you missed in your Special Olympic life the most over the past year and a half? Bowling. Yeah? Yeah. 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 What do you miss about bowling? Seeing all my friends. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And you have a, do you have a personal best that you're trying to get? Do you have a score in a game you're trying to reach that you think one day you'll be able to get? 200. 200. How close have you come to it? 150. Oh, that's pretty good. You're knocking on the door. We, yeah, we both do. We went from five. Now we do 10 pin. She's the, just let everybody know a lot of people like I'm getting better, but you want the bowler in the family? Yeah, I did win what she did. But you want the bowler in the family? Yeah. Terry, eh? Oh, yeah. She's <laughs> That's the bowler. Very good. So what have you guys been doing to try and um, stay connected to the rest of your Special Olympics family in the past year and a half? We've been calling them on the phone, on the computer. Yeah. Zoom with... Uh with the soccer on Tuesday nights, Terry's been doing that. I've been joining in when I'm not working. Um, Chris and myself and uh, Scott, I've really, we've really came close and we chat when we can, when we're not working quite a bit. And I, we miss you guys too. Yeah. Well, the, the feeling is mutual there. That's for sure. All I got to say is I think with special Olympics, I think we should go like one of these times, we should talk to the police again. And uh, I think we should have a floor hockey uh, thing again so we can uh, get a rematch there where we can get you guys once, beat you once or twice at least. Once or twice? I don't remember ever beating you guys. <laughs> uh, I, think beat, I think they beat us a couple times, didn't they, Chris? I don't know. I think so. I, I think do remember so. coming home with some pretty sore shins, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> uh, you. Yeah, yeah, I don't think it was. If it was, it wasn't just him. I remember a few people, like my co-host. Probably Chris. <laughs> my, <laughs> my stick was always on the floor. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Probably bulldozer. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes, could be. <clears throat> so it's out like, of out of out of the sports you've been doing, Richard, going yeah. to the provincials. What what's your favorite moment? Do you have a moment? Um, Tell us a story. I'd say my fur uh the favorite one was uh 2019 down in Toronto with the floor hockey team. Um uh the walk-in thing, seeing all the athletes, like the younger athletes and all that, and how many there was, um walking in and uh 
with my phone taping. And then when I was coming up, Walter Gresky being there and him looking at the lady and he saw me taping and him turn around and say to the lady, I want my picture with him. And the lady said, no, we don't have time. And he said, I don't care. We do have time. Mm-hmm. And getting my yeah. picture with uh, Walter Gresky and uh, fucking in with the team and uh, that whole weekend, spending the team with uh, with the team members and that and win- winning the silver, it was nice. Um, and then yourself, Chris, taking me with you to meet uh, playing p- pinball Clemens. That was really yeah. nice of you. I, I really appreciate that. And um, I don't know if you remember, Chris, do you remember the uh, little young man we met at the end and we both signed his book? Oh, yeah. yeah. So, so D we were, we were walking by like the spectators just mm-hmm. walking around. And this, this boy was just sitting there. He's like to his mom, why is nobody has stopped and, and give me something or or sign my book? So we we stopped and I said, I give it I give them a towel that they they give it us and yeah we we opened up to the autograph book and, and just just give them a little signature for them and the kid the kid was happy. Nice. Yeah, and I think uh didn't the yeah. um if you remember Chris didn't the mom say I think he had a brother that was in the one, the basketball, I think, in high school or something like that, or floor hockey or something like that, wasn't it, Chris? Yeah, yeah. So, so what what happened in Toronto was um, they brought in the high schools this time. So it was like the youth youth games as well with Special yeah. Olympics, right? In so Toronto, that, yep, yep. Yeah. So that was that was pretty cool watching them do their floor hockey as they watched us do mm-hmm. ours. Yeah, and there's I found I found there's uh I can admit I found the high school of course they're a lot younger than we are, mm-hmm. but I found their levels like their high levels they were pretty uh pretty quick at the shots and passing and running and all that and mm-hmm. it did get a little like of course ours gets a little rough like it's not supposed to but <laughs> it happened right yeah yeah sometimes sometimes so, like you know like you know what what's it's a common theme that we hear a lot is I'm listening to you guys talk about the, the floor hockey championships in Toronto and held in conjunction with the youth games and Toronto did a great job hosting that. Oh, that um, awesome. Yeah. But I listened to that and, and I haven't heard you guys say once about any game that you won or lost all your memories are of this little guy and giving him something and signing it or, you know, the younger people being there and walking in and, you know, with, with other people there, that's, it, it just, it's such a great thing to hear. And I hear it so many times when I get to talk to you guys about your, your competitions that as much as you want to win and you give it your all when you're there, the best experiences that come from these games are not whether you won or lost on there. You know, they're, they're just the things that happened when you were there, the people you were with and, and the people you met and the experiences you had. And I just think that's amazing. Yeah. Well, the thing is like, um, even Chris agrees like that, uh, the 2019 games, um, honestly, if we stick with the floor hockey, I would actually have no problem, even summer games, I would have no problem if they could mix like the um, unified games and the uh, youth games in with our games. Like it was like the athlete, just seeing how many athletes are like, and the schools from all over. Right. Yeah, the, like The school competitions have like, really huge. taken off. Eh? Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. like it's huge and yeah. it's just great to see that they're finally in public schools high schools mm-hmm. realizing these children that have an intellectual disability but look at them at sports right. and they're bringing the sports in to let them play so as special olympic athletes that we are we follow an oath can, can you tell us that oath let me win, but if we cannot win, let me be brave in the attempt. And can you tell us when you guys were braved in the attempt? Uh, but together? Yeah. Sure. Um, for the sake of this, let's do it together. Since you're the married couple, tell us something you did okay, together. Um, I'd say watching Terry uh, in 2006 with the Masters, like I didn't make it that far. Um, I'd say for myself, being there for her, and watching her go all the way for uh, the five-pin master bowling and winning thousand um, dollars, to me, that's when I—that's for me watching Terry do that was a very big. Uh, uh, she was brave. She was. She just went out and did her how she felt to bowl that day, and she just did it, and I was very, very proud of her. Nice. Well, we're not going to ask you what you guys did with the thousand dollars each. That's up to you guys. Hopefully, there were no fights uh, over actually, that. <laughs> you don't need to tell us, Richard. I'm just joking around. That's okay. It went on bills. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, guys. We really appreciated having you guys on. It's great to get the perspective from from a couple that met through Special Olympics and, and just the effect that Special Olympics has had on both your lives is very inspiring for all of us. And I really enjoyed the stories. I love hearing things like that. And, you know, I'm fortunate to have a co-host who's in the same situation and, and I get to see that every week with him. So thanks yeah. again for joining us. We really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks. Thank you for having us. And thank you, Chris, again, for uh, having Terry and I. You're welcome. We hope- and we hope to see all you guys soon, eh? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, we will right, be thanks back. Thanks again. We'll no be problem. back with our next guest just after this. Welcome back to Guardians and Gladiators. Two amazing guests there. We just heard from Richard and Terry. Uh, you get pretty choked up here in some of the stories that they told us there, and it kind of brings the reality of life right into Special Olympics and shows why we think so highly of these athletes, everything that they've been through. Well, we talked at the beginning of the show, Lozi, about why we're called guardians and gladiators and not just gladiators. In the guardians part, we're going to get a nice explanation about right now. As I mentioned at the beginning, the law enforcement tour trend for Special Olympics has worked closely with Special Olympic athletes, not only in London, not only in Ontario, but worldwide. And here joining us today is the director of the Law Enforcement Torch Run for Canada, London Zone, Sergeant Mark McGugan. Mark, thanks for joining us. Thanks. Good to be here, Rosie. And uh, is it Big D or just D? Just D. Yeah, let's not get carried away. (laughs) Just D. All right. (laughs) Thanks for coming on. (laughs) Give us a little rundown on, um, you know, just kind of where the Torch Run came from and how it's grown over the years. Well, it originally started in uh, 1981 in Wichita. Um, just a, a group of officers uh, decided to go help out with a Special Olympics event that was going on. And at that time, they raised about $300. Um, but the chief at the time, Richard Lemonian, um, decided that this is something that's got to go bigger. 
And he slowly started it. He calls it the, the, the flame started to flicker right there. It just began a little bit of a ignition there. And next thing you know, it turned into what it is now as a worldwide event. Uh, it came to Canada in 1987. Uh, Lauren White from Toronto brought it uh, across the border. And since then, it's spread out across Canada. We cover every province and territory now. So um, it's been a, a good evolution. Um, generally uh, speaking, we get involvement from all law enforcement, which is uh, corrections, probation and parole, police officers, um, you know, sheriff's office, stuff like that. So there's a lot of uh, investment uh, by the, the members themselves. So, and Mark, when people hear torch run, I think sometimes they think of like the Olympic torch run and running through communities only when there's an Olympics games. But the torch run movement is more than just an actual run with the flame of hope, isn't it? Oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's a lot bigger than that, Derek. It's, it's the flame is kind of our symbol. And that's what we go by. The torch run itself is kind of the symbol. So when we run into the stadium, we run it with the torch. Uh, hand it off to the athletes, uh, and we do an event. But it goes goes well beyond that. It goes into polar plunges. It goes into bike rides. It goes into um, you know five k event that we ran today down in uh, Aurelia. Uh, just that one alone raised ninety thousand dollars for that one. Um, we've had hockey games. Um, you name it, we can do it. Uh, the more we can do, the better. It's just getting out, getting involved, and raising money for the amazing athletes, allowing them to to train and participate. So okay. when, when did you get involved with the London Torch Run? Uh, I first became involved in 1989. Um, we were having a run at the station and I got invited out by some of our fellow officers. And to be honest, I didn't know what it was about, but I thought I'm going to go hang out with my fellow officers and see what it's all about. Went out and did a run and, you know, I, I've been hooked ever since. It was a lot of fun seeing the athletes mingling with the officers. Um, and the more I learned about the cause I went for, the more impressive it was. That's cool. Nice. So I'm going to use two words. Tell me what they mean when it comes to the torch run. Opening ceremonies. Oh, biggest thing ever. Um, if you've never been, we want to bring you. Uh, and once you've been, we've got you for life. Because when you run in, uh, the energy, the excitement by the athletes, and, and just I, I tell you, I get shivers just thinking about it right now. Um, as you run into the stadium, it's, it's a life-changing moment for you because you realize all your work's paying off. Uh, the love and admiration between the officers and the athletes is amazing. Uh, just running the torch. And as I say, lights, it, it's a, it's lit when we run in, but everybody's lit when we walk out with excitement. So it's really, really, it's impressive. Um, so how, how does it make you feel about how you impact the lives of athletes? Uh, you know, it's amazing. It's amazing because we impact the life of the athletes, but I think the overlooked thing is how the athletes impact our lives. I think, uh, you know, when I first started it, it was all about, you know, let's raise some money for the athletes and that. And the more um, I dove into it, I found out that uh, the law enforcement torch run side was getting just as much out of it as the athletes were. Because giving back and seeing the, as I said, the excitement of the athletes and seeing the athletes be able to participate, train, participate in international, all the way up to international events was truly amazing. So we as torch runners actually started getting stuff back as well, like that. I mean, we work 60 hours a week and then we turn around and give 20 to a torch run for Special Olympics. And you know what? If we could give 30, we would. So it's, it's actually an amazing turnaround. Yeah. So let's um, just to give everybody an idea uh, of the, the impact that the torch run has on Special Olympics. 
we'll, we'll not count the last year and a half because obviously it's been difficult with not being able to have our fundraising events and everything. But let's go back to the last full um, fiscal year for the Torch Run, which I think was the end of 2019. What were our numbers in relation to, like you talked about the first run in Wichita making 300 bucks. Let's talk about Ontario um, and Canada. What were the numbers like in 2019 for Ontario and for Canada? Well, it's, it's a good year to go back to because in 2019, Ontario had a record year uh, where we raised $3.3 million through all the events we talked about earlier, which is an incredible number when you think yeah. of it. Um, everybody coming together and, you know, all that money goes to the athletes for training uh, to 10 games. So $3.3 million, we get a lot done with that, right? Incredible, yeah. What about Canada? In Canada, um, it was about total of about 5.1 or 5.2 million throughout Canada, uh, which is an amazing number. So spread out all across, uh, as I say, coast to coast in the territories, uh, about 5.1, 5.2 million dollars. So impressive, impressive. Now every year, we have an international conference, right, where they the, the torch runners from around the world all gather. And the last one that we had before the pandemic hit was that year in Colorado. And every year, there's always a big announcement, and there's like a you know drum roll. It's this is the big number, and and that year they gave us the total raised to date. So you remember that three hundred dollars, the total raised since that first torch run to date worldwide. What was it? Are you talking about, if we're talking about just the year, so just in 2019, worldwide, and this goes to every corner of the world, is $60.6 million. Whoa. If you talk wow. from the start, for that year that we started with 300 to where we were in 2019, we're, we're falling just short of $1 billion. Wow. Um, the way we were, were going before COVID hit, we were going to be hitting $1 billion either in 2022 or 2023. Um, so we're right on the, the cusp of hitting, you know, worldwide over since 1981 for, for everybody, $1 billion. Incredible. That's crazy. Just amazing. You know, and for those that oh, aren't yeah. aware, it's, it's the highest source of fundraising for Special Olympics. Like basically without the Torch Run, it'd be difficult for any Special Olympic programs to even exist because they rely so much on that money. Incredible. Incredible. So Mark, now, now that you're the national director of the Torch Run, is there any big plans planned now that some of the restrictions are being lifted? Yeah, I think it's it's important to know that we're still going to be safe moving forward because of all the restrictions. But at the same time, we want to get the athletes involved again and we want to get the torch runners involved again to get out there and pick up kind of where we left off. Uh, but I think we've learned a lot from COVID too. So some of our events that we're going to be doing through the torch run, we call it a hybrid model, where if you can't attend a polar plunge in person, you can go polar plunge in your pool, your backyard, and still raise money and send it in. Or if you can't do a run like we did today down in Aurelia, if you can't attend really to make the run, you can go run around your local area and still raise money. And it's a, a new way we're doing things, a hybrid model, bringing in the virtual world as well. Um, so I think moving forward, uh, we're going to be better off because we've learned from it. We've learned and we've gotten better. So, And then we get to, as I said, we're looking forward to getting together with the athletes again. Uh, we're looking for the athletes start to train again, start to compete again. So speaking of Aurelia, $90,000, as you mentioned, in a, in a blended format, you know, and we were both down there for the in-person run this morning. And I think when we start looking back to this morning, the virtual one doesn't sound too bad, does it? <laughs> no, no. 
seven degrees pouring rain but you know what uh we had more runners than we ever expected down there too it was just short of 200 runners came out yeah. in person to run when it was seven degrees and pouring rain yeah so incredible, incredible eh? to show that you know to show what we want to do to show we want to get back together and get things started again right yeah 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 it was it was a good thing we had heated seats on the way home let's put it that way <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and with All that right. you know 200 200 in person and we had 300 at home uh virtually across so 500 total doing a run with us today yeah all across the province too that was great great well mark thanks for filling everybody in on kind of what the torch run is and its relationship with special olympics uh, it's pretty important um this podcast generally focuses on special olympics and on the athletes but we like to throw that in because you know the, that's what the podcast is entitled guardians and gladiators for and you know, that bond will never go away. And from everything that you've said there, it sounds like it's only going to get stronger. So thanks for joining us. And uh, we look forward to maybe in our, okay, maybe a little optimistic, Rosie, but maybe in our second year of podcasts, we can get an update on what our totals are at that point from Mark. Yeah. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. All right thank you, Mark. Thanks, Rosie. Thanks, BD. Okay. Thanks. We will be back after this to wrap it up with Rosie and D. Welcome back to Guardians and Gladiators. Wow, that was great to have those Mark, Mark from the London Torch run as a guest and Richard and Terry as well. And what great stories they told us. It's exciting, eh? Nice. So, so Chris, tell me a little bit, like from an athlete's perspective, from your perspective, what um, the Torch run means to you. Um, the Torch run means to me is like, if it wasn't for the the law enforcement, we we wouldn't have Special Olympics, and it yeah, it, it's a good good thing they're they're here, I guess. Okay, and, and but you... but I I always like I always like go, being involved, especially on the uh, Canada Day run, as we run down Queen Street into Labatt Park in front of a sold out crowd of before the baseball game. That's, that's pretty cool there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What other, I know you're, you're always around our events and I think I could probably pick out what your favorite one is. <laughs> the polar <plunge>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're the first to sign <laughs> up and I'm in there. Let get me in that cold water. Let's just jump. No, no fear at all. And you raise some good money too. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, no, it's yeah. good. And I know um, having been a part of it for, you know, about 30 years now as well. Um, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm quoting somebody else, but it was just so it was such a, a great quote that I, I have to use it is that, you know, um, and in fact, I'll tell you, I, I'm actually going to quote one of our torch runners who passed away during the pandemic. And it was a sudden accident. And as torch runners in Ontario, we all miss Teddy very greatly. Um, Teddy Farney once said, and I thought it was great, and I've heard it quite a few times since, that the torch run gives, I'll say me, he said it, but the torch run gives us way more than we could ever give it. So it doesn't matter how much money we raise for the torch run or how, much, how many things we do for it, or sorry, Special Olympics, not the torch run, my mistake. Um, it doesn't matter how many things we do or how much money we raise for Special Olympics. What Special Olympics gives us surpasses that greatly. It's, you know, it's been such a great part of my life. And I know for Mark as well. And I think I speak for most people involved with the Torch Run that, you know, it, it's a huge part of our lives. And 
you know, we've made so many, like, I know I can, I'll only speak for myself here, but I've made so many friends, yourself included, through the torch run that, you know, I, I, my life wouldn't be as full if I hadn't been involved and met everybody. So it's a great thing. Great thing. Um, that was a, that was a fun episode. Um, great hearing some stories. Uh, Richard and Terry were outstanding and it's really nice to have that perspective from a married couple as well. Yeah. Okay, well, that wraps us up for our episode this week. Um, we really enjoyed bringing it to you, and we are available on Spotify. And hopefully, we will have something up soon where you can give us some comments. We'd love to hear from you, ways that you'd like to see us improve or things we can incorporate in the show. And uh, I think, Lozi, you've even got a Facebook page up now for Guardians and Gladiators. Yes. Is that right? Yes, I do. Perfect. So, you know, feel free to jump on there and leave us some comments, you know, good or bad, as long as you don't use any abusive language or call us nasty names. Um, We'd love to hear what you guys think of the podcast. So wrap it up for this week. And we look forward to speaking with you next week. Thanks for listening.